comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Previously on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron, I hear that you have a pretty cool story to tell me. Well, it's a story, all right. I um, okay, so I was uh, I was going to see The Purge. I was leaving for a midnight show because I didn't I didn't go to my screening. I went to the internship screening instead of the Purge screening because I wanted to laugh instead of be like not terrified. Okay. But so I so I ended up going to the midnight screening with Scooter. And Sounds good. Yeah. So it's like dark. It's like eleven thirty. Scooter comes to pick me up. I walk out my front door. The thing I see, I see like my in my neighborhood, there's like a street and on the cross the street. There's like a cul-de-sac. And okay. So the first thing I open my door, the first thing I see, there's like some random kid, like some child, like standing under like the one streetlight on the cul-de-sac across the way from me, like playing with a remote-controlled car. Is is this real or not? This is real. Yeah, like this happened. Okay. <laughs> this, so this it's it's like it's midnight. It's yeah. It's essentially midnight. Some kids like standing on the other side of the street, like, like is, is he wearing like a is he wearing like a, a gas man suit? Honestly, like I, a, I know, didn't Halloween try, Michael Myers. Style? I didn't try to stare at him too long because he just freaked me out to begin with. I'm like opening my door. This is the first thing I see. It's like some kids like standing there. It was wild. It, I I don't know what to think of that. It just freaked. Aaron, me. Yeah? I was that child. <laughs> no! 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 Wait a minute! I forgot my introduction. It's it, introduction. Recording. This is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here. Um, Abe is not going to be joining us, but we have a special show planned. Out now is regularly a film podcast with Abe and I discussing the movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to do special random bonus episodes, such as this one. This week we're going to be doing kind of a special art house indie film showcase where we discuss a number of films that have entered into limited release into the. More art house theaters, more artsy theaters, more independent releases, things like of that nature, because we just didn't feel like talking about the Purge or the Internship for a full episode. So, with all that said, I have with me to discuss a myriad of different films. From AwardCircuit.com, the man always considering the stories we tell, Mark Johnson. Hey, everyone. And from Things I Know About the Movies, the man who has ridden in from the East, Adam Gentry. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I thought this would be a, a fun kind of thing to do. Abe and I have been talking about it for quite some bit. Uh, just uh, going over a lot of these other, you know, kind of smaller movies that have made their way into theaters that deserve more attention, I would say. And um, I figure we're just going to kind of go around in a circle and, you know, we'll mention a movie that we've seen and then kind of kind of uh, to just discuss it, um, whether or not we've seen it and looking forward to it, what we thought of it, what have you. A virtual, a virtual circle. You know, because you know we're obviously not in the same locations. This is gonna kind of be kind of cool. Yep, I, I love a good virtual circle. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm always I'm always saying that it's li- it's literally written somewhere. It's like VR troopers, just with you know, just film. like VR troopers. There you go. Film nerds, man. Got to add that to the show notes now. VR trooper, trooper transform. VR troopers. Um, but how about uh, Adam? How about you bring up? How about you start off? I'll bring up something. 
Uh, sure. Well, I guess the the one that I think of that kind of maybe came out earliest in the the, the cycle, so to speak, is Place Beyond the Pines, which is the uh, the follow up to Blue Valentine from director Derek. And I'm not totally sure how to pronounce his last name. I know you probably do, Aaron. Seer uh, in France, I believe. Seer in France, um, which is pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting film. It's a look at kind of the idea that the the sins of the fathers are revisited upon the the children, sort of this ancient sort of uh, archetype. And um, I'm sure, Aaron, you could probably do a better job of plot summary than I can, so... Um, okay, basically the story's told in three parts. The first part concerns Ryan Gosling's character, who's a motorcycle stunt driver. That's just, you know, obviously. He, um, he kind of, he travels um, from town to town. Um, he arrives in one town where he finds that a woman that he once had relations with, relations, how old am I, relations with... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Uh, played by Ava Mendez, has reared his child. Reared his child. How old am I, really? Um, so now Ryan Gosling, has, now Ryan Gosling has a uh, has a child, and he kind of consider, takes a new kind of perspective on his life, and he decides to stay in town in order to take care of his child. This leads to him, for various reasons, uh, robbing banks and um, to provide for said child. Um, this story goes on for a bit, and eventually we kind of switch gears to follow another character, played by Bradley Cooper, who is like a, a cop. And he's he's a good cop, uh, and he gets involved in his own situation where he's forced to kind of go against other corrupt cops and handle that. And then the movie shifts a number of years, and we follow two young characters, and we basically watch how kind of th- how things that kind of happened in the past affect these characters and where it goes from there. That's the that's the I think that's that's a good way well, to, to to surmise the plot I'd say. I like to say with Place Beyond the Pines that I sat through all three films in in, in one sitting and I'm proud of that. <laughs> Cuz the one thing about the movie is it's very episodic and I think that's actually kind of a problem with the movie just because the first section with Ryan Gosling I think is really interesting and I really appreciate his character and like the way that he reacts to things, and I, I, it's really interesting. The second half is not is interesting, but not quite as interesting. And then the last third, I just kind of lost interest, and in it just seemed a little bit too, uh, a little bit too written, if you will. It was pretty obvious that this was it was constructed, and you know, wasn't supposed to. It just didn't strike, you know, what's the, what's the phrase? It didn't ring true, as far as I was concerned. Um, I mean, the performances overall are fine. Again, it's nice to see Bradley Cooper not doing something, you know, hangover-like, to see him try to kind of sink his teeth into a dramatic role. Um, it's beautifully photographed for the most part, which is something that, that the director is really becoming known for. Um, but yeah, I, I liked the movie, but I, I really felt that it might have worked better as a novel uh, than it did as a film. Yeah, or maybe even as like a miniseries. On, sure. uh, you know, on TV, uh, you, you could kind of spread the, the actually, generational gap. I agree with that, actually. That'd be neat. Yeah. I mean, I like, the, I like the movie a lot. I think I, I like it more than Adam did, but yeah. I actually agree that the mini, a miniseries would be a very interesting way to kind of watch this whole thing play out. Yeah. And that, that being said, it might play better as a miniseries. I, I'd still say The Placement on the Pines is my favorite film of the year so far. Um, you know, I, I liked the bold storytelling where they divided it into those generational gaps and whatnot and and i agree that first the first part with gosling is is probably the best part and and when he's out of the story you you kind of miss him you want a house i'll get you a house you want to get the out of here get out of here i got that trailer i'll get a truck 
we'll hit the road. You pick a place you like, we'll stop. You don't want to be there. You were out of there. What about my mom? She can come. What about Kofi? He can stay. He can get his own girl and his own kid. That's every man's right. Sounds like an extreme. Um, but you know, every performance in it, from you know the two leads to the kids that that play uh, that we see in the third act, we'll say, um, to even the side characters of you know played by Ray Liotta and um, Eva Mendes, Ben, Men- ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, I mean, if you want a if you want a sleazy bad guy, uh, I'd, I'd recommend casting Ben Mendelsohn as a as a as a character. Yeah, between yeah. that and a. Killing him, yeah. killing, killing him softly. Right, he's, he's and, and animal, animal kingdom. Animal kingdom, yeah. Right, he's he's just he's great as that, just sleazy kind of, you know, not I don't want to say bad guy maybe, but just a guy who ruins lives for others. It seems like so, but I liked the theme, especially of the whole, like you mentioned, the legacy of what we leave behind for our children and how you know we hope that you know at least. For me as a father, I hope my my kids take the good side of of me and leave behind maybe the rest, the same way that I you know growing up hoped to do, you know for my own father. So I thought that was kind of neat how we see these characters who had you know issues with their own fathers, then as they become parents, watching their their kids have issues with them. And I I, I don't know for me it was a maybe more personal film, and it was I thought it was a, a thrilling, heartbreaking, great movie. I, I really enjoy The Place Beyond the Pines, too, and I would argue that it's at least in my top three films of the year right now. I, I think it, it's a really well-accomplished picture that, as Mark said, has to do with kind of how legacy plays out in the long run. Like, I, Adam, you're obviously like kind of, kind of like a, side, a sliding scale of how you appreciate each section of the film where, you know. Yeah, it's kind of the law of diminishing returns for me. Mm-hmm. And okay. I would, I would, I would, I guess agree to an extent in terms of like I think Gosling's part is probably the best part because it's the most it has the most right. I guess urgency to it in terms of what's how that how that story is playing out and yeah. you know, where it has to go. And, but I I really like Cooper in this role and like I mean between this and Silver Linings Playbook I think Cooper's doing a very good job of yeah. of, of kind of dropping a a known persona that he already has and going into much more interesting territory. And I'm looking forward to seeing where he. Keeps I, I just want to know if, if his character if Avery Cross is actually related to Alex Cross at all. <laughs> well, one cross can never cross Alex Cross, so that's too much crossing for one cross to handle this time around. But but if someone was going to cross Alex Cross, it'd be Avery Cross. That's true. True enough. But, one thing uh, I, really liked, I will say I really like yeah, yeah. the uh, the adopted. There's a, there's a there's an adopted father uh, to to one yeah. of the characters, and I thought it was yeah. really well handled because it's there's there's a lot of the, the two characters they have different uh, ethnic backgrounds. And they're just, you look at the two of them and you wouldn't think if you didn't know them, oh, it's just a father and a son. But I really like the way that was handled. And even in some cases, the, the young man kind of gets along better with his adopted father than he has with his biological mother. And I just, I thought that's kind of rare that you have adoption handled in some way that's very natural and isn't, isn't gimmicky. I would agree it plays out fairly well. You don't see a lot of it, but... I mean, the movie's long as it is, so I don't necessarily think I needed to see more of how that relationship, you know, it worked, but I think I got a good impression of what handled it. And, like, for that, that third part, I, um, it, as much as I, I think it's kind of the weakest section of the film, I do like how it, it turns it into this kind of almost like a Greek tragedy in terms of what you're seeing and how, 
the past is reflecting on now. Like it's a neat, it's a neat way to take the story. And like I walked in not knowing what was. I knew that there were three parts of the story, and I knew that they featured different characters prominently, but I, I wasn't sure like what kind of what, what what the circumstances were to get us to these places. And right. so I, I really, in, I, I enjoyed that concept. I that's the only thing that's kind of holding me back from liking it more. I think is just how what happens in the third act, even though I think I, the performances in it by two key characters, uh, uh, one of the, one of the kids and one of the adult actors, I think are very, very strong. Um, but yeah, overall, I just, I, I think the movie, it, it plays out, very, it played, it played out quite well to me, especially, I mean, especially those first two acts, but I mean, uh, the, it is very well shot. I really like the score of the film. Oh, yeah. I wrote the the opening of this movie is fantastic. I love that just yes. long tracking shot. Uh, just the opening's on, great on the back of Ryan Gosling as he's just walking. Mm-hmm. It's just a, <laughs> which is like the epitome of, of like Ryan Gosling giving as little as possible to the screen. His back's facing the camera as he walks somewhere. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. if anyone that like hates his kind of silent performances, then this isn't going to do much for them, I guess. But it, it's really a, a testament to the director, just because I, he has this kind of bold, mm-hmm. very almost independent kind of touch to what he does and I, I admire that a lot and I'm curious did either of you have um, kind of a flashback to Miller's Crossing at any point during this film particularly <laughs> actually yes the- yes I did during a very particular oh. scene yeah because I'm watching it I'm going like, wait a minute this is this is Miller's Crossing <laughs> you know it certainly has that kind of control in the way it's directed too it's just certainly the same way that the Coen brothers are ones to kind of fly at you with fast pacing all the time like it has a it has a confidence in how it's being constructed and making well, the, the film that they want to make as opposed to making the film that should well, be the, easy it's certainly, I mean, the director certainly seems to have this as one of his you know, motifs he likes to explore with this and Blue Valentine and being these different portions of the narrative that are so divided by time and sort of seeing how people are different from one time frame to another and what how their lives have changed and whatnot. Speaking of Blue Valentine I think it's a I think Ryan Gosling's certainly grown as it. Like Blue Valentine, as much as I like Ryan Gosling, I don't think Blue, I don't think Ryan Gosling's great in that movie. What? Uh, I think he's I think he's good, but I think Michelle Williams really runs away with it in that film. No. But I think Ryan I think Ryan Gosling's he's in his in the older form. I think he's he's playing a character rather than really being that character. If that makes any sense, I don't know. It, it doesn't. I, I don't think you get one without the other in that movie. Personally, yeah, I agree with that. They're both pretty awesome in it. Hard, it would be hard to pick between the two. I would say they're both. I, I hated that she, that she got an Oscar nomination and he didn't. Personally, I thought it wasn't. I thought that wasn't right. I can see why. But that happens a lot though. That that happened uh, like last year with Amore, with Riva getting the nomination and uh, I can't remember. Yeah, she you know, was left in the the dust there. Even though he, I mean, for the most part, he carries the film. Um, so that happens. So I think we've. Uh... Discuss the place beyond the pines pretty significantly. Um, I think we all certainly appreciate the movie. I think Mark and I uh, like it a little bit more than Adam does, but I think we all would certainly recommend the film for us. Oh yeah, maybe. I mean, if it's if if it's the kind of person that would appreciate something like that, I wouldn't just recommend it. Carte Blanche. It is a two and a two hour and twenty minute film. That's a, a drama that doesn't exactly get lighter at the end of the tunnel, but. Uh, <laughs> This is a tunnel? Yeah, it's a really long tunnel that just stays dark. That's all I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dark uh, tunnels. Uh, Mark, how about you uh, bring up a, another Okay. One? Well, along with The Place Beyond the Pines, my, my the, the 1A and 1B, I guess, for my best of the year so far would be um, 
Jeff Nichols' film Mud, uh, starring Matthew McConaughey, and um, The Tree of Life's Ty Sheridan. Um, you want me to go through what it's a little bit about what it's about? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, it's uh, two teenage boys that are uh, they meet a wanted man, and they're trying to help him get away from. What, what I believe is the mob and uh, and also law enforcement who's trying to bring him him in and uh, while he's trying to connect with his ex girlfriend, we'll say, uh, played by Reese Witherspoon. You know that guy? I've never seen him before. What'd you say, boys? You got crosses in your heels. Nails, shaped like crosses. Before. Ward off evil spirits. I'm waiting on my girlfriend. She got these birds tattooed on her hands here. Nightingale. Good luck, birds. I just can't spend the rest of my life running away with him. She don't care about nobody but herself. Are you stuck off in that island? Because of her. Ma'am, have you seen this man? No, sir. Son, have you? What do you do? This river brings a lot of trash down. You gotta know what's worth keeping and what's worth letting go. You never said your name. Mud. You can call me Mud. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of the better movies I've seen. Like I said, uh, Ty Sheridan gives one of the breakthrough performances I think we'll see this year. And Matthew McConaughey continues where he left off last year. Um, I, this might be his best performance, if you ask me, so far. Uh, though I think we might have him top that later this year with Dallas Buyers Club. Um, Jeff Nichols did uh, Take Shelter, and between this and that, back-to-back, it's, he's starting to grow as somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Um, I was pretty absorbed by this this film, and uh, on the edge of my seat during the climax. It was pretty outstanding. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked Mud as well. I, um, I, I would say, yeah, McConaughey... He, he, the past what like two three years now, he's just been kind of knocking it out of the park with performance after performance between this and what Killer Joe, Magic Mike, uh, the Paperboy, which I wouldn't say is a good movie necessarily, but I do like him in that movie, uh, Bernie, and what, oh, right. even the uh, the Lincoln Lawyer. I mean, he's just been he's been taking on these very interesting kind of dramatic dramatic roles of movies that just aren't gonna you know aren't bigger movies. He's not you know doing another. Uh, romantic comedy with Kate Hudson or whatever. I mean, it's it's right. it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to to see him kind of challenge himself again after you know starting off, I would say fairly strong, and then you know coming down for a while. So watching him in, in Mud now, where he's not glamoring glamoring himself up at all, he's playing this you know this this dirty guy living on a in a some some boat in a in a tree on some island somewhere and you know eat beans with his hands like he hmm. he's play, he's playing a, a real kind of guy who who who's nothing who's just not he's not not concerned with his van, his vanity and all it's nice to see an actor kind of take on a, a role like that but at the same time it's not even he's that he it's called Bud it's about Bud but he's not the main focus of the story like this is a coming of age story. Which I don't think you'd really get the idea of that from the poster, which features a grizzled Matthew McConaughey holding a gun in his hand. Like it's, it's really about the, about these two boys, mainly the one boy played by Ty Sheridan, who's really good in this film as well. And I like that. I like that uh, Jeff Nichols, who's, who's made this, he's made Take Shelter, which I also, which gets better every time I watch it. By the way, I love Take Shelter um, and Shotgun Stories. All, all these movies all kind of have this. They all take place in the same kind of 
self-location involves this kind of slice of life Americana kind of feel to it, but they're all different in terms of their genre. Like Shotgun Stories is this kind of dramatic family oriented feature. Take Shelter is this basically a, a, a psychological thriller slash apocalyptic type drama to an extent. And now Mud is a coming of age story, but it has, they all have the same feel. Like a, Jeff Nichols has certainly established a, a style or in terms of how his, he makes his films play out where they're set and everything, but he's approaching different genres and I like what he's doing here. And with Mud, it's, it's a, it's a bit slow paced and it's quite long, but I really enjoyed what I got to see. I liked how the story played out. Good cast in this film, by the way, too. I mean, along with, uh, Matthew McConaughey and Ty Sheridan, Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon also kind of, Playing against type to an extent, she's kind of she's not a she's not downplaying her looks per se because that's kind of the person she's playing. But she's she's not she's not wholesome in this movie, I guess I could mm. say. Um, Michael Shannon shows up here too, the great Michael Shannon, who's just seems effortlessly good as this kind of as the uncle to one of the boys who wants to wants him to wants him to grow up right, but he's not like his father, but he's kind of his adoptive father in the sit in their living situation it seems and he's 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 quite good at playing a very kind of natural natural kind of guy. Sam Shepard shows up here and yeah, he's I like, awesome. I've like seeing Sam Sam Shepard pop up in roles. Yeah. And uh yeah this it's a it's a well acted film. Yeah. Ray McKinnon too that uh, plays the Ty Sheridan's dad was he was also in Take Shelter, I believe he's Michael Shannon's brother, right? In that one. Um but he's yeah, 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 yeah. Too. yeah. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good in this, as like uh, as yeah. Ty Sheridan's father. He has such right. a what's neat, like the like Ty, the the parents of Ty, of Ty Sheridan. They're like having problems, and like it, and like basically his father. He he he's both trying to like teach his son how to you know be a, be a man, be a good 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 person. But he's like he's it's clear that he feels like he's failed himself as like a fam as a as a like the provider for a family. And it's neat, it's neat to see it, that kind of reflect through this film, like through his character and how he's kind of hand handling his son and talking to his wife and things. Did you see it, Adam, or no? Unfortunately, I didn't. Oh, okay. Put it at the top of your list. It's Yeah, it's still at the local, uh, the local art house, so it's certainly yeah. doable. It's gotten something like, a, if I am if I heard right, it's something like a 99 on Metacritic or something. It, yeah, it's like a, it's like a yeah, like Rotten Tomatoes, I think, and it's like, it's probably fairly high on Metacritic as well, but yeah, it's certainly one of the better review films of the year. It's doing yeah. it's doing very well too. Like for that kind of movie, it's 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 a uh, it's uh, getting good kind of theater averages and it's, it's continuing to play. So it's like it's a good win for Jeff Nichols for sure. I'd, I'd like to see if that that carries over into award season just because of how it's got kind of that same sort of buzz equivalent to what maybe like what uh, Exotic Marigold Hotel, which opened last year, like fairly early in the summer, and kind of carried through. Even Midnight in Paris, which kind of carried through throughout the summer. So that's mud. You know, good number of theaters for a limited release now. So I can talk about uh, Francis Ha. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done where you play fight? I don't want to. Oh, it's super fun. Stop it! Damn it! Oh, sorry, you have to, like, fight back. <laughs> I said, stop! Oh, so sorry. 
asked you to move in with me. You said no. But I can't. You can. You don't want to. What do you do? I, it's kind of hard to explain. Because what you do is complicated? Uh, because I don't really do it. Uh, this is the film from uh, Noah Baumbach, who... Uh, and starring uh, Greta Gerwig, uh, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig co-wrote the film together. Frances Ha is about a woman named Frances who is a dancer, an aspiring dancer living in New York. And she is essentially, uh, she has a, she has a best friend she's living with. That best friend kind of moves out and it forces Frances to kind of travel around to different apartments to, as he kind of seeks a direction for her life to take as he's trying to kind of get her get herself motivated to do anything really in terms of how what she wants to do with her, her life or her career or what have you and uh, it's, it's not a lot not a lot to explain in the plot i guess it's it's, a, it's fairly kind of right but um i i really like francis i'll say and i'll say this because noah bombach is a filmmaker to me who a lot of his films ride on kind of an acidic quality it relies on the characters kind of being very mean and it, 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 I think it worked for Squid and the Whale, um, with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Jeff Daniels. Um, I, I liked that film quite a bit. It didn't work for me at all for Margot at the Wedding, which just seemed just so mean. This I, I, I hate Margot at the Wedding. So oh, it's so terrible. It, 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 <laughs> it's so terrible. It, it's a shame. It has a good cast. I think the cast is doing good work in it, but it's just It's, it's almost a, enough to kill your faith in family as an institution. It, it, it's, it's hard to watch. And then uh, Greenberg, which starred Greta Gerwig, which I wouldn't say is necessarily a very mean-spirited film, but it certainly has the same kind of qualities that Noah Baumbach brings to his film. There's other films as well, but those are like the ones that are just most recent. With Francis Ha, it's the, the thing I like about it is how it's very, it seems very unlike that. It doesn't have that mean quality, at least certainly not as a parent. And I think it's because Greta Gerwig co-wrote this film and it has a, has a, a, a different sort of handle on what the characters are going through. And it, there are other, other qualities that come present within these characters that will sure to be point, point out. But I, overall, I did really like Francis Ha. I do think, I think, and it's a lot, it comes down to Greta Gerwig for me, who I think is very good in this film. I think she, she has a quality where she's very, she's very likable, she's very open, she talks, and, but she's also, she can also be irritating and annoying to watch, and, does, and the decisions that she makes aren't always, like, the, 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 the strongest, and you kind of feel that, you're like, ah, why are you doing, like, it has, it's, it feels like a very re- fully realized character as opposed to one that's just doing things that either service a plot or feel true to the, the pure quirkiness about having to appeal to other aspects of the story, but, uh, yeah, that's I can talk about it more, but um, Mark, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait a yeah, Francis Ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that I uh, that I assumed everybody will disagree with me on, and that's fine. Um, I it's it's one of the types of these films that really irks me because everybody seems to love it, and I just can't understand for the life of me why. Um, the title character Francis Ha. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I don't remember. We, we don't. We don't tend to. No. We don't tend to. Okay, good. I'll I'll leave the f bomb out of it and just say, she's a total mess. And they keep referring to her in the movie as unlikable or as undateable. They probably should be referring to her as just unlikable. And I, that's what I don't understand why so many people are drawn to her character. Because I just I'm sitting there watching her and just being like, I I, I wanted to just shake her and say, wake up. <laughs> she doesn't have she doesn't seem to have any idea of how to organize her situation that she's in for the better and is constantly stumbling from one problem into another 
and I, I don't know that I just found found her scatterbrained personality to be almost just annoying. I guess is the best word I could use. Um, she never seems to grow or improve, and doesn't have much of a desire to. Is really what I, you know, I kind of took from it. And I don't know. I, with Noah Baumbach, it's it's beginning to feel, for me at least, that he's a little bit. I, I don't know if this is the best word to use, but maybe pretentious in his films choices because I wasn't a huge fan of Greenberg, uh, and like you mentioned, Margaret the Wedding, and now Francis Ha. And I did like you know Squid and the Whale, which you you know wrote that along with Life of Aquatic. You know I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, and he's done a few films with him that and Fantastic Mr. Fox. But it just seems like lately the the films he's making are not for me. So I'm I'm alone on that one. I know. Did you see that? I forget. You know what? I I didn't. I was I wanted to go last week, but I wasn't able to to make it happen. But I mean, my relationship with Bombach has been testy at best, just because you know, like I mentioned with Margot with the wedding, I just think that's such a mean spirited film. Just I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with characters being mean to each other, but this was just <laughs> excessive to the point where you know these people are supposed to love and care about each other, and they clearly didn't. Um. I like Mark was saying. I do like some of his stuff with Wes Anderson. I think there's a lighter touch to it. I think that Anderson kind of softens Bombach's more acidic instincts. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Francis Ha. Um, I don't know that I'm going to run out and go check it out, but I, I wouldn't mind renting it. I I'd, I'd recommend that you see it. Just 99% uh, of people seem to love it and love her, and I just I'd be curious what you think when you do see it, um, especially if you aren't a huge fan of Bombach going in. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I've heard I, I've heard many people's take on it, and I'm still like, no. I don't and it's get... shot in black and white, right? It is shot yeah, in black and white. It's not. It's it's nicely shot, and there's there's a lot there's a lot that I would say I admire about it that way. But um, and and she does a good job with the performance. It's just I don't like her, and I'm not in. I I become less and less interested in her as she continues to just screw everything up and not really seem to care about it. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I, I disagree with so much. Like, I, know, I, I don't, I know. Everybody I don't see, I, how do you, I know. you don't I think she grows at the end of this film? I you don't think don't. she's changed. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see her ever really like, I don't know. I see the relationships around her changing, you know, between especially her and her best friend. But I don't know. She does. She seems like she's just going to get into more and more, Situations. See, I can't see that at all. Like, I can, it's, cer it's certainly not. A, it's not a huge shift in character from where she starts to where she ends, just because that's you know that's real. I don't think you change from in like you know a couple a few months, like you're just suddenly a different person. But I do think there's there the way the character does evolve, that it does. She goes good. She get the responsibility becomes more of a thing for her at the end of that film. I would say than how she starts it. I, I didn't see it, I guess, but I, I I guess I just wanted more of a character arc, and maybe that's not what this film is about, and maybe it's not necessary for it to have one. It just for that was what that was what was off putting for me was that I just wanted to watch her mature and and you know kind of grow up a little bit, but I don't know, maybe I just misread it and saw it, you know, in the wrong perspective. Fair, fair enough. I, but um. In terms of filmmaking, um, yeah, I mean, it was shot in black and white. I really, I really, I mean, it's it, it certainly it's very much going for kind of a evoking Woody Allen in its senses and like yeah, yeah, because Manhattan yeah, was the is. first thing I was thinking about when I was yeah, second thing about it. Yeah. 
it is. It's very it's very Woody Allen. I, I, that's the best thing I would compare it to. I think would, would be like an early Woody Allen. All right. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, that's uh, Francis Ha. Uh, I really like it. Marks the other way. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd say see it though. Like if you, if we were recommending it, I would say see it because I'm definitely in the vast minority here. So most likely you'll end up liking it. Did you get any enjoyment out of it though? Like were you watching? I wanted to. I was really excited going in. I even changed my you know Facebook uh, wall cover thing to her dancing, and yeah, I was excited about it from the trailer and and, and whatnot. But uh, no, I I for the first like half hour or so I was enjoying it, you know. But I think from there, no, I, no, <laughs> I was left, I I left more angry than you know, just because it was another one of these movies where I'm like, damn it, what did, what did, why did people like it? And what am I not getting here? You know. I'd, you know that's kind of how I was with them more last year. I I could t- you know I loved the performances. I loved the direction and everything about it. It just I didn't like the movie so much, and I wanted to. And you know I knew I was missing out on something with a more with Francis Hyde. I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel that I am, but I just am left more wondering. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's because I just like for a Bombach film, this just seems like his most accessible one. <laughs> like. It was uh, the one that God. more people can get behind as opposed to something. So even yeah. The Squid and the Whale, I think, was kind of an acquired taste of really enjoying a film like that. See, but that yeah, maybe, see, but when Squid and the Whale came out, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's not too long after Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And I was a huge fan of uh, Royal Tenenbaums and, I think that's and like Rushmore before that. That's like 2004. Oh, I love Rushmore. And, uh, yeah, Rush, Rushmore and, and Tenenbaums were like my two you know, favorite Wes Anderson films, and, and I was huge into those movies, and Squid and the Whale kind of reminded me you know, of that, of those movies a little bit, and so I think I, I mean, I really liked, you know, I still quote the whole Philistine, uh, quotes. Oh, it's know, later than I thought. Squid in the Way was like 2005, so that's after, um, okay. Life Aquatic, huh? Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why, maybe uh, that's why I was reminded of Wes Anderson when seeing it. Yeah, that whole, that Bomba connection, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Makes sense. Someday we'll find it, the Bomba connection. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, Adam, how about you pick up another? Sure, uh, Disconnect is, um, it's ironically enough the closest thing we've had to kind of that, uh, Altman-esque tale of a bunch of different characters in different, you know, places and, and, and phases of their lives that have a, a common connection. Um, basically it's about people's struggle to connect using modern technology. Ben, can you please not do that at the table? He is. Is it your girlfriend? Girlfriend? You type away. This is the client. I gotta take this. Hey. Alright, dude, I found him. What do we write? My name's Jessica. I loved your song on your page. It touched me. Hey, boys. Doing homework? Or that? Hey. Have you used a MasterCard for something? No. I want to know why the credit card isn't working. This guy has all your information. Do you visit chat rooms, message boards? Sometimes. Who wants to go private tonight? Mm. Wow, you're really hot. You're a puma. What's a puma? It's like the step before a cougar. Oh my god. I'm a reporter. I was wondering if you would let me interview you. I don't know. Everything you do, someone out there can see. 
there is a, a, a young reporter who is trying to land an interview with an underage chat room worker, and she's really hoping that's going to be her big break. Um, there's a teenager who's being relentlessly cyberbullied, and sort of his struggle to, you know, to, to deal with that, and then his his uh, his parents and sort of their, particularly his father, and the way his father deals with what happens uh, with that. And there's also a couple who recently lost a child and sort of what happens to them after their identity is stolen and the lengths that they will go to to, to get their identity back. Um, this is a really strong film. I mean, ironically enough, the film I thought of most mostly was Crash, although this is, this is infinitely better than Crash. Um, you know, it's cool because it's it's really tricky, I think, for, for films nowadays to try to incorporate modern technology in such a way that doesn't seem completely awkward and stilted just because i mean things like text messages and voicemail and you know going on the internet on your phone are things that are, are very much a part of modern life but they're kind of hard to 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 do successfully in a movie you know how do you communicate oh so and so got a text message just telling him this very important thing you know you can't have a character you know reading every single message out loud within the context of the film and have people think it's believable at all i think this film does a really good job with, with different graphics and whatnot to really incorporate technology in such a way that it really works. Um, I really like the performances, particularly uh, uh, well, Paul Patton's really good. Michael Nyquist is really good. Uh, most American audiences would know him from Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, but what the film's got a, just a really solid kind of emotional heart to it. These characters go through a lot. There's a lot of really cool character arcs. And when you get to the end, I mean, there's kind of a nice... There's a good feeling to it, even though they're they're dealing with a really tough, a really tough subject, and and they don't really have a lot of answers. You know, there's at least some hope at the end, which I think is is really neat. So it's it's a solid one. Yeah. So as much as <laughs> as much as you're praising it, and I praise Francis, uh, Mark Johnson went down on Francis. I'm coming down on disconnect because um, I just, I don't like this movie. I think that's the that's my basic takeaway. I do think it's strongly acted. I do, I, I do like the actors in this movie. I think Jason Bateman is doing a great job here. I like uh, Frank Grillo, who I keep seeing in things, and I really like him as the, the other father who has a business of um, kind of a, a, a cyber detective, as you would call it, as he, as he tracks down people that steal cyber, uh, ident- uh, I go through identity theft. Like he deals with kind of technology issues in that way. And like yeah, Alexander Skarsgård and Paula Patton, they're like the actors here are are, are mostly solid. I, I like the performances, but for me, the movie, I feel like I got what it was doing within like thirty minutes, and it's another it's a two hour movie, and so I'm just dealing with the kind of the fallout from all these things that happened. I don't I I don't feel like it really adds anything that I haven't kind of seen before in any kind of discussion or any kind of depiction of how technology's kind of taken over people's lives in certain ways and because of that i just i, I felt disconnected from the movie i didn't uh, I, I didn't uh, <laughs> I, it didn't it didn't have me gripped in terms of kind of really like reflecting on how these themes are affecting my own life and what have you i just felt more like a okay well this is going to play out it doesn't really seem that important to me but whatever i'll watch it and so yeah I, what i get is strong performances but unfortunately that just wasn't enough for me to like really enjoy the movie overall especially because i think the climax of the film is way over the top and i do not like how it's becomes very stylized all of a sudden and tries to put that depiction out there like it it just it, it kind of fell apart for me and it kind of hit a lot of 
dramatic tropes that I, I feel familiar with. I kind of got where certain arcs were going to go just because I've seen enough films to kind of understand where that means. And that's not always an issue, but I already wasn't like too keen on the film, so it didn't really help me in handling it. Did you see the film, Mark? I have not, no. Honestly, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know that I've heard of it, so it's interesting to hear. Yeah, it came out of uh, Toronto. Okay. Uh, it's the film, a new film by Henry Alex Rubin. And I'm trying to see if he's, I feel like he's done something else that... Uh, he directed Murderball, which is... There we go. Which is my one of my favorite documentaries. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons I was really excited for this film, because like, what, the guy that did Murderball directed a feature yeah. motion picture? But uh, You know, I get what you're saying about the stylization at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand what you're, where you're coming from, because it is a bit odd, and you either roll with it or you don't. So, so I get that. I just, I found that, you know, the performances and such were, you know, I was emotionally, you know, drawn in. You know, something that I kind of, it resonated with me. I like films that are about concepts and then find a way to illustrate those concepts in such a way that feels organic, um, which is one of the reasons why I love Kieslowski so much, because that's kind of what he did better than anybody else. And I, this is certainly not on that level. But, you know, for me, I really, like I said, I was emotionally drawn in. I thought it was effective on that level. And so, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just had a, just a very different experience. Yeah, and it's fair enough. And again, I, I can, I can praise the actors all I want. I think I have Jason Bateman, who's not, who's not surprising me by putting in a surprise, uh, a solid dramatic performance, because I think he's done that in other things, which go overlooked because those things tend to be comedies. It's just that he's playing the straight man and has certain, aspects of a character that know how to handle drama. That said, I mean, I, I really like him in, like, The Kingdom, for example, but it, you have a lot of, it's an ensemble cast, and I think they're, they're certainly doing their best in, with what they're, what they have to work with. I do think the couple, there's a couple plots that just didn't work for me overall, like the, um, the plot with the news reporter and the, and the, and the, the underage sex chat site worker, like that. That one just didn't really go anywhere for me, and it just kept kind of hitting the same points. And there, and because it's a film that it's a it's a what's a hyperlink film where all the characters are like connected in various ways, no matter how loose the thread may be. Um, it felt like it was kind of struggling at some points to like kind of make sure you you got like oh this is why this person's connected this way to this thing. Like it it has that aspect to it, but at the same time I do admire a film that's able to kind of take a large number of characters and make them inter interlocked in some way. Um, but yeah, overall, I just I, I I wish I could have got into it more because I was looking forward to seeing it. And I did I do like everybody in this movie, and I as I said, it's from the director of Murderball. Like, there's a lot of things to praise about it, and I mean, from a in terms of a critical standpoint, it is getting more good reviews than bad reviews. So I mean, it, there are there are certainly people that like like our own Mark Hoban is a big fan of this film. He champions it as well. But um, it's really cool too because I mean, one thing it's an interesting parallel that you can draw is you know we had uh, the film Bully last year, yeah. the documentary that came out, and this is sort of, in some respects, sort of the narrative counterpart to that, at least with one of the plot threads. It's not like it's pervasive, but it's. I thought that was an interesting, that's certainly a film that I was thinking of while, while I was watching Disconnect. Yeah, you can put this on the poster. Better than Bully, Aaron Newworth, <laughs> out now. <laughs> yeah, they're really going to run to put you on that one, buddy. Better than Bully. <laughs> That's that. That'll be like me saying, "Before midnight, Ethan Hawke's best movie this week." Like that's. <laughs> that's 
that's uh, that's disconnect. We're gonna Adam, big fan of it. Me, not so much. Uh, Mark, how about uh, another film you can try in? Okay. Um, well, we could talk about stories we tell, which is uh, Sarah Polly's new documentary about basically her family and discovering, you know, um, who her birth father really was. And I'm uh, I'm becoming a really big fan of of Sarah Polly between um, Away From Her and Take This Waltz, which was in my top 20 last year. Stories We Tell, I thought was a pretty amazing uh, film. It's a very personal story, very intriguing how they show, you know, the whole, how truths are, can, can be dependent on who's telling it. You know, there's so many different sides to this story as far as, you know, the perspectives from the different angles of this one woman who, who is the, the mother of Sarah Polly and how she affected so many lives in a different way. And, um, and I don't want to spoil anything, so I, I won't, but there's a extremely fascinating twist that blew my mind at the end. And, uh, and made me love this film all the more. It's probably my favorite documentary that I've seen since uh, maybe Exit Through the Gift Shop. Um, I'm real curious. Yeah, I'm real curious with this one to see. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm just curious how if if if, it'll, if we'll see it in the lineup for documentary at come Oscar time. Can you um? Just, I know the film has a certain way of telling it. So can you, talk, can you describe it? It's because the documentary. Can you describe the style of documentary it is? I don't know that I, I don't know that I can without. Did you see it or no? I haven't seen it, no. But I okay. Okay. I don't want to say too much because I don't know if you know the twist already. No, I don't know. I the, don't, I don't, I don't know, know the twist. Yet, okay, no. but I'll, I'll. It's amazing watching how this woman, who who is the mom of Sarah Polly, this this life she led, and how everyone just kind of was drawn to her. It's like a, the whole moth to a, a flame kind of situation where everybody just wanted to be a part of her life. And they almost excuse all the little things she did that were not terrible, but wrong, I guess you know, you'd say. So, um, so it's, it's an amazing story as is. And then there's this whole underlying thing that goes with it. That's just absolutely incredible. So, um, I highly recommend it. Neither one of you have seen it, then, right? Not yet. No, I've been wanting to. I just no, like I said, time. almost went yesterday, but did, couldn't make it yeah. work. It's yeah, um, as soon as you can. Interesting to me to see that um, yeah, Sarah Pauly, who just had a film, has already made another film, and it's a documentary, no less. Which you know isn't exactly something that doesn't take that that doesn't take a short amount of time to do. I mean, it's a doc. I mean, I, I'm curious oh, yeah. how long she's been working on on this film or yeah i don't i don't know but i'd imagine a good while uh, just because how many people she she speaks to and getting her family together and, and that's the other that's what's really that's what makes it so neat is that she's interviewing her family members her siblings and so you can see there it's not like a normal interview where you know in a, in a documentary where some people are uncomfortable or whatnot you can tell there's just this ease of we're just sitting around talking about mom um you know vibe to it and, and that's so you kind of get drawn in even more because of that. You kind of just feel like you're listening to a family tell their story, which you you essentially are, and it's it's a it's a heck of a story. So that's good to know. I mean, because I initially heard about this film, I was like, all right, I I like Sarah Pauly. I'm not sure what the interest factor is in me just seeing a documentary about her family, but I'm glad right. enough. There's right. you know, there's some yeah, I, I have an interesting relationship where I I don't like. I saw I haven't seen away from her. Unfortunately, I saw part of it on a plane, which doesn't really count. Okay. Um, but I really didn't like Take This Waltz. So oh. I'll be curious, I'll be curious yeah. to see how this is different aesthetically. Okay. 
Oh, it's definitely a lot different. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare the, these two films or those two films. Which is, I think that's make, that'll make it really interesting just to watch yeah. just cause, yeah. you know, that's the one introduction I've had and then to see how it's different or similar or whatnot. Okay. I really enjoy Take This Waltz. I it, it, <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. a, it, it, the, there's a basic idea that's a little much of having the, the, the quirkiest rickshaw driver around woo, woo you off your feet, <laughs> literally, because he's in a rickshaw. But I, I, I some strong acting. Oh, Michelle Williams is so awesome that I, I don't even know that. Uh, you know, she's she's arguably my favorite actress right now. But um, she, I think I, mean, I might I might have had blinders on just because I was so. I mean, she's so good in it. I don't know. All right. Yeah. That one. I love her <laughs> overall, though. She should be my yeah. favorite. Yeah. She's great. So that's a story we stories we tell, which is opening in yeah. uh, it's in a limited release now, and I, it, it'll spread to a few more theaters. I'm, yeah, and it's it's funny that the 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 subject of this podcast because the those the three three of the films we talked about are uh, of course not counting Francis Ha um, are my f- top three of the year so far: Place Beyond the Pines, Mud, and and Stories We Tell. So I definitely recommend tracking down some of those. It'll be curious to watch to, to the end of the year, you know, if you're on the yeah. top ten yeah. one to see how if you know how much the placement might have changed or stayed the same. Right, right. Oh yeah, always is. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like every because like that's place beyond the pines. I'm curious to see where that's going to stand at the end of the year for me. But yeah. at the same time. I'm not going to talk about it because I've talked about this film already in a previous podcast, but Spring Breakers is a film that hasn't left my mind in terms of yeah. movies that I found to be really interesting and okay. what they're trying to do. But so. I still need to see that. I'm, I'm, I missed it when it came here. That is a... A lot of folks love that movie, and some some like hardcore nerds love the movie, like folks that don't... Because when you watch the trailer, you see it gives you kind of this one vibe, and then I had people that were telling me how much they loved it. I'm like, you loved Spring Breakers? <laughs> Which it's, is really interesting. It's yeah. really, it is, it's an interesting movie for sure. Amidst the, the imagery that you're getting and what it's going for. But yeah, that's, check out that podcast for <laughs> Spring Breakers and Stoker I did with Maxwell Haddad. That's a, that's a fun one. Uh, let's see, the next film, I'll bring the next one up. Um, The Iceman. Um, I think I'm the only one that's seen The Iceman, correct? Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of it. Okay, The Iceman. It played uh, at my festival, but I have not seen it. That is the Newport Beach Film Festival, correct? You got it, brother. Yeah. Twitter hashtag teen <laughs> or at NBFF. Uh, the the Iceman stars Michael Shannon, and it's a, it's based on a true story of uh, Richard Kuklinski, a notorious contract killer who is also a family man. Um, he's known for having killed like over like a hundred people for the mob, uh, while his family remained kind of clueless about his actual occupation. And yeah, Michael Shannon stars is. As Richard and the film, it, it, it's not very good. I I really wish it was good. I think Michael Shannon is fan, is really good at what he's given in this role. But I think the movie is it's very limited in what it's trying to do. Like I I've heard that I've, I've I've since learned that it's had production issues, which don't really surprise me in terms of kind of the direction they're trying to take the film. But there's not a whole lot going on besides a, a very basic. Uh, kind of biopic that just happens to involve a person that killed people as opposed to someone that was like some kind of great leader or something like it. It doesn't really take any chances. It's not very 
stylish in its presentation. There's, there's really nothing that makes this film anything above average, and so you're left with just some performances to key into, and, like, Michael Shannon's the only one that's really kind of delivering, um, you know, really solid work. Like, Winona Ryder's in here as his wife, and she's fine. Chris Evans is in here as a, a rival hitman, and he's fine as well. Uh, Ray Liotta shows up playing tough guy Ray Liotta, um, which he can do in his sleep, and that's not a bad thing, but it's just there's nothing about this film that really separates it from anything uh, better, like, isn't it? It's it's limited in scope. It's kind of it's it's a little jarring in terms of how much kind of time passes at some point, and you're just not really sure of. It doesn't have the best handle on on when you're what when 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 things are occurring, and it, as it goes along, you're just kind of going through the motions of a very standard story, and then it just eventually ends. It's it, it, it and it doesn't really reflect on. That's actually the biggest. That's that's the biggest issue. It doesn't really reflect on what Michael Shannon's character is doing. Like it doesn't really, for being a man that's both a contract killer and a family person, you get the idea that okay, he has to keep this a secret. But there's no real. You don't really learn more about him. You don't really learn about what drives him, what makes oh, him yeah. want to be this guy, what makes him want to be this guy that shields him, shields his family from these other aspects. Like there's there's not, there's not a whole lot of depth to the Iceman. It remains cold throughout. <laughs> so it. Yeah, I I really once again movie I wanted to like, but yeah, it just didn't really. Those tend to be the most frustrating too when you you're oh, the, the pieces are there, but they don't really person and you want to know why, but you just they just don't tell you why. Yeah, that, that's exactly because I think the story itself is very fascinating. I could make a great documentary. I'm not sure if it has a yeah. documentary already about Richard Kuklinski. Let's see, but um, yeah, then uh, didn't quite pull through in the end. Though. Um, Mark, you got a name? I think that's it for me as far as what I've seen. I I haven't been able to see Before Midnight yet or uh, any of the other ones I think that you mentioned. Okay, no problem. Then let Adam, why don't you go? Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> Before Midnight is the <sighs> third film in Richard Linklater's Before trilogy, following Before Sunrise from 95 and Before Sunset from 2004. If we were meeting for the first time today on a train, would you start talking to me? Would you ask me to get off the train with you? Of course. Well, this place is so full of thousands of years of myth and tragedy, and I thought something tragic was going to happen. Still there. Still there. Gone. You never stop ogling girls, like I don't ogle girls. I make a love to them with my eyes. Oh, wow. Stuck with an American teenager. I feel close to you. Yeah. But sometimes I don't know. I feel like you're breathing helium and I'm breathing oxygen. What makes you say that? Um, in which uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy play a young man and a woman, young woman who uh, fell in love in the first film and then and separated at the end of the movie and were not able to uh, to to find one another again for about nine years. And this kind of takes up. Um, you know, nine years after the second film, um, and kind of fills you in on what's been happening in the meantime and whatnot. And I absolutely love these movies. I first got into them around the time when Before Sunset came out, and just the level the level of the writing, and particularly the time for me where, where I was at as far as what I kinds of films that I was watching and enjoying, the level of the writing is just is just through the roof because. Linklater chooses to write these movies with the actors, and so there's a level of 
of, of interaction that's there with the people that are actually going to be carrying it out that you don't have in a lot of in a lot of films. Um, I saw the film first at Sundance, um, and it was really tough because I had to hold off, but with, with, you know, with talking about it with anybody un until until very recently, and I was able to see the film again this uh, this last week. Uh, but I love this film. This is going to be one in, one of my best films of the year. Most definitely, I'd be shocked if it didn't make my top ten. Um, I don't know how much you know about the story, Mark, so I don't want to spoil anything for you. I've, I've seen the first two, and I think, from my understanding, it's they they're married and they have kids based on the trailer. I mean, that kind of gives. Okay, away. then then I can't yeah. really spoil anything for you, which is cool. Okay. I don't want to yeah, go there because if you haven't seen the trailer, like I yeah. the trailer, it's a terrible trailer. Yeah, why would I? I was surprised that they showed that, but yeah. I kind of sorry, yeah, sorry if I spoiled that. <laughs> every time I see the trailer, I kind of tune out. I was, I, yeah. For every time I was seeing it, it's just kind of all right. You know, they're back. Right. <laughs> oh, but this this is a fantastic film. I mean, it's it's absolutely Good. it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, at this point in their both their personal you know friendship and their professional relationship, Hawk and Delpy's chemistry is just ridiculous. I mean, they the level of the writing is astounding. Um, and what's really great about this particular film is that it's really trying to tackle, you know, how to live out happily ever after. Because most films, when two characters finally get together, you know, they, they fade out, fade to black, we're done. You know, like a, a character in a Barbara Streisand movie once said, they, they don't tell you that Cinderella drove Prince Charming crazy with her compulsive, compulsive need to clean the castle. Um, <laughs> in, in a case like this, I mean, it's... It's just fascinating to watch the way these two characters who know each other better than anyone else, how they they try to how they there's this passive aggressive thing that's going on and they're arguing and they're going back and forth and how they and just in this particular film the gloves are off because in the first two whenever they see each other they're just so happy to finally be together that if they do argue at all it's quickly glossed over whereas here they've been together for years and the gloves are off and they're not kidding around, um, but no. I absolutely adore this film. I think Richard Linklater's direction is fantastic. It's simple and, and sweet. And the direction, uh, not the direction, but the, the music by Graham Reynolds is absolutely beautiful. So huge, huge thumbs up for me. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. Um, I, I probably call this, this is also just easily like in my top three of the year right now. It does, it does such service to these characters and such a like, and, to, to like be fully honest, like the the before sunrise before sunset are films that I had not caught up with until just a year prior, but I really love those films as well. So seeing this film, I may not have had the kind of anticipation that others have had of waiting, you know, another nine years to see what happened next to these characters. But I was really compelled by the story that's essentially people walking and talking for almost two hours. Like it, there's there's not much to it, but that's not a bad thing at all. Like I was very compelled by what was going on in these conversations they're having with each other. And it's a credit to Richard Linklater, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke of how, how well they know these characters, how well they, what, what they want to do with them, what they want an audience to see in them and how things have changed for them in the nine years since we last saw them. Like it's such a, a kind of a fascinating way to depict a relationship and like how, how one reflects on certain things that happen versus how things are now versus how things will be in the future. Like there's, there's, a, there's a lot to glean from just a, a movie that, you know, essentially has only two characters on screen for the majority with not much 
else going on in terms of visual flair or supporting characters or subplots. Like, it's just, it's strictly about one thing, and it makes that work very well. And if you're going to talk, ironically, though, if you're talking about supporting characters, this film has exponentially more supporting characters than <laughs> yes, any yeah. previous incarnation of the series. But I think what's fascinating, too, for me is I think it's so rare that you have any kind of franchise or any, well, it's odd to call it as a franchise. I'll just, I'll stick with the more generic term series just because of the different goals I think franchises have. But these, this Wait, wait, you're not getting before midnight action figures after this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, how'd you know? Um, you know, with, with Linklater, Hawk, and Delphi, I mean, I think it's so rare you have a, a team making a series of films and they're completely, I don't think they're focused in almost any way on the sellability of these films or how much money is going to potentially be involved in the box office returns. They're really focused on the art and the narrative and the characters and whether or not they have something to say. And Aaron, I know you said this in your your written review, but this is really shaping up to be potentially one of the best film series ever made. Just when you look at the overall consistency, you know, it's so rare that you have a, a, a series of films where you have a great first film, you have a great second film, and then you can keep that going. Most of the time around... The threequel or so, you know, you tend to start having a decline in quality. You know, it gets old. You're kind of done. In this case, they have gotten older, quite literally. But that's part of what makes it so fascinating. And Linklater's direction is so straightforward. And it works so well with the the strength of the performances. Because they're having to do this really, really nuanced performance where they have to act by seeming like they're not acting. Like they're just talking. And... I've watched some interviews and whatnot where they were saying, well, it was really simple in some of the argument scenes to really just play it up because as an actor, I mean, that's what you do. And it's so hard to find the nuanced ways of just seeming like you're just talking with another person. And, you know, I, with the direction, it's, there are so many, there are takes in this film that put children of men, you know, to proverbial shame. As much as I love children of men, there are takes in this, there's a 14 minute Take, there's a couple of cuts, but I know it's all one take in a car where they're just, they're talking the entire time. I cannot imagine how much dialogue, uh, had to be, how many pages of dialogue you had to memorize or how much rehearsal time went into that, that one sequence. Um, and then there's another sequence, uh, another half an hour sequence that's just virtuosic in the, in the, in the writing. I think if they don't receive a nomination for, for writing this film at the Academy Awards, then it's again further proof that a shaky system is is you know perhaps even broken. I believe before Sunrise is nominated for best screenplay in order. A sunset. Sunset. Sorry, yeah, sunset, sunset was nominated works. for that's what I meant this the sequel. Still before. Um, but yeah, the the quality of this fran- of this not this franchise of this series is I think it's reflected on how organic it feels. Like it it comes as such a it's such a natural way as opposed to well we. We gotta do this again because people liked it the first time. Like, it's more if they just want to revisit these characters and they let a, a, a very specific amount of time pass because that just, it makes sense in a sense of how one can in, interpret where these characters have gone since then. You get a, nine years is a very long time and somebody can change a lot within that amount of time and it's, it shows in these films but at the same time you're still seeing the same characters that you've, for those that have been following the series have grown up with and it, it's it's very effective that, to that extent. Without in the, the the stories that are being told in these films, they don't feel contrived. Like they they there might be maybe a lot to a lot to consider in this film based on like 
the intensity of some of their conversations, but it doesn't feel like something that's not coming naturally. It feels like natural arguments that are occurring between two characters as opposed to, like, we need them to talk about this in order to keep the plot going kind of thing. It, feel, it feels more like an organic story being told. Right, because, I mean, we, we know the characters so well, and they know each other so well. And it's it's just fascinating to see the way they've changed. And, and not only that, too, what I really, really do like so much in this film is there's, there's a lot of talk in the film about uh, biology versus personality and how... You know, well, men are just like this, or women are just like this, versus, well, you know, well, how much of, of the way that Jesse or Selena is acting is based upon that's the way men and women are supposed to stereotypically act, or how much of it's based on the fact that that's just their personality type and the way that they're approaching something. And I think it's it's fascinating, too, because the film is, is it's a, again, it's a testament to the writing, but it's so even-handed to a degree. I think definitely one of the characters comes across as a bit harder to live with than the other, but... At the same token, you're, when you're watching the film, you can understand why Jesse's upset, and you can understand why Celine's upset, and you can understand where they're coming from. And there are times when, you know, one of them will take a shot that's not fair, but there are so many times when you can see in that nugget of truth behind it, or what's frustrating them. I mean, I know the first time I saw the film at Sundance, sitting there, I mean, there's certainly a lot of wit in the film and a lot of, of fun moments, but during one of the longer argument sequences, I remember sitting there, which is one reason why the, the, the trailer makes me kind of a, a little bit angry, just because you know, it was not, they weren't kidding. And I was, it was almost like watching your parents fight if you weren't used to seeing your parents fight. Just sitting there, you're sitting there going, no, please stop fighting. This is okay. You don't want to do this. Whereas the second time around, the humor was a lot more apparent to me than it had been the first time where it had just been deathly serious. Yeah, it, um, it's just a really good movie. I don't know what else to go, else to go with this. I mean, the uh, which, uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy—they're fantastic in this movie together, and just as as actors, like Ethan Hawke is a person that I like in movies in general. But I think he really he plays this character quite well, and I think it, his the performance comes out as naturally as it does from him because Julie Delpy's just right there to compliment him so well. I think they're they're people that. You can, you can see why they have a, why their, their chemistry is strong in this film, because they, they just bounce off each other so well, but they're very different in personality to an extent. Like, Julie Delpy has a more soulful kind of way of life, and Ethan Hawke is, he, he has a way of keep, of busying himself on screen, which is, yeah. it's neat to watch. And uh, it, watching them kind of play off each other, it's, I, I like how, you're still get you're getting these same actors that you got in 1994, but you're you're um you're seeing how they've kind of evolved as actors, but but um still working together well on screen. It's, I'm just jockeying in circles. I mean, they're just really good in this film. That's and you know what? I I personally I kind of hope that this is it because I'm always wary about taking something too far when you you know when you've nailed it and you've nailed it and then trying to take it again, trying to you know dip in the same well again and just not coming up dry. Um, but if they make a fourth film, you know, I'm confident enough at this point that they're only going to do that if they feel they need to, and they've got a story that these characters need to tell us. And so again, I'm hoping that this is kind of the end, but if it's not, uh, I will be there bright eyed and bushy tailed ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for the reboot before Sunrise X with uh, Taylor Lautner <laughs> and uh, oh, Vanessa, Vanessa Hudgens. I can't, can't wait. Oh my lord. Aaron, you need to be quiet. This uh, <laughs> their their Monte Carlo adventure where they 
That's enough. They walk around on the rollerblades and talk. It's great. Abe, if you're listening to this, Abe, you know, please <laughs> help us here. Can't wait. Can't wait for it. Gotta have it. Like Cold Stone. Um, <laughs> I, um, let me bring up a movie here. The East. Another corporate figure has been targeted by the eco-activist group The East. We need someone to get inside The East. Who would you choose? Me. I'm unexpected. Being unexpected is the only advantage that matters. Robert McCabe called me himself. In one month's time, I want to know the identities of every person who poisoned his company. I'm looking for the East tag. I heard the East doesn't exist. Who is she? Welcome to the East, Sarah. There's something planned for us. When it comes to breaking the law, most people can't handle it. I can do it. Um, this is the film um, starring uh, Britt Marling, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, and Ellen Page. It's uh, co-written by Britt Marling as well, with uh, director, writer-director Zalbat Mangalish, who previously brought us The Sound of My Voice last year, which also starred uh, Marling in a supporting role. And uh, this latest film, The East, has Britt Marling as a as a, uh, a basically a, well, a spy, kind of. Uh, she she works for, who she work for, Adam? She works for it's a like private, a, like an uh, agency, private security right? core, private intelligence agency. So okay, yeah. She, she works for a private intelligence agency. She's trying to infiltrate a uh, a kind of anarchist collective, an uh, eco anarchist collective, eco anarchist collective known as the East, which is specialized in kind of uh, enacting various nefarious plots onto big companies, maybe like pharmaceutical companies that have kind of polluted the the earth in, the, in various ways. And so Brent Barley's job is to kind of investigate this group and kind of bring out the, bring them to justice or what have you. And in doing so, she becomes a freakin, which is a person that, uh, was that a lives, thing li- lives, this movie or is, is yeah, that a term that's, that actually existed? That's a thing that exists. Yeah. Freakin. It's someone that okay. basically exists off the earth and tries to avoids doing anything that's associated with consumerism to, for, in terms for principle. And uh, in doing so, she eventually becomes integrated into the East movement and has to, is forced to kind of participate in some of their schemes. One of which involves kind of like uh, inserting a pharmaceuticals drugs into their own into that company's drinks at a function in order to you know make them get a taste of their own medicine, so to speak. And but yeah, that's that's essentially the plot of this film. It's about about this anarchist collective, this eco anarchist collective. And uh, the East, I think, is it's a solid film. I think it's a well it's a well made thriller um, from a kind of a, a lower budget art house perspective. I like that it it still has a, a kind of, I keep using this kind of sense of urgency in what it's trying to trying to do. I think it has its issues in the length. Essentially, I think there's a a couple plot threads that could have been shortened or you know not involved at all, and that would have made the film tighter and more effective as a whole. But I do like Britt Marling quite a bit. I think she's very good in this film, and as a co-writer as well. I think I think she has a she has a promising career ahead of her. And I like Zalbat Mang- I like Zalbat Mangalish's last film, The Sound of My Voice. I like that film more. But I like how he's he he he's certainly bringing out, bringing out a style that works. Especially like in the the opening kind of minutes of this film, especially. I really like how he it really gets 
get things underway rather quickly. Really, it doesn't waste a whole lot of time with setup. It it gets it uses a lot of just images and clever editing to get you to know what you're what you're seeing, what the setup is, without having to you know deliver tons of exposition on you through dialogue that's not necessary. I'm surprised this one's in limited release. Like I would think this would be more audience you know friendly, where it doesn't have to play in art houses. Is it? Is it is it not that way? I wouldn't say so. No, I, I agree with you, actually, Mark. I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it does spread wider than one would, you know, yeah. than, uh, than some of the other films that we mentioned, for sure. I think it has a kind of audience appeal that will, especially in the way, like, the trailer's been cut together, like, it yeah. it has that kind of sense of, oh, this is a movie that audiences would want well, to go see and check out. Yeah. Well, we'll just look at, like... Oh, go ahead. No, no, after you, sir. I was just going to say, look at the the Purge came out this weekend in wide release, and that's kind of has that. I mean, I don't want to compare it to that film, uh, obviously. I know what you're saying, terrible, though. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it has that same kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a a premise that one can easily understand right. based on a trip by based on one trailer to market it. Yeah, and it has you know, Ellen Page and Alexander Skarsgård, Patricia Clarkson. Right. Like they're not necessarily yeah. big stars, but they're people that. People, you know, recognize their faces from various things. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, it just hasn't I, got the name. I just don't. I mean, Ellen Page is, is her star is rising, but she's not at that point where she can sort of, you know, anchor yeah. a film on her own. That's going to be some big blockbuster type. I, I'm with you, Aaron, pretty pretty closely. And it's, I like it. It's it's all right. I do think it has some of the same issues that you do as far as some unnecessary uh, plot threads that really don't need to be there. It's very much, it's it's very much an independent film. You know, it's it's a thriller in very much that kind of independent aesthetic. I do think sometimes there's a little bit, it's a little bit too neat, a little bit too much of, well, this is this, and that is that, and this is why we're doing this. I would have mind seeing, minded seeing a little bit more messiness when it came to some of the characters. Um, but at the same token, I think it has a pretty interesting look at, uh, at a Stockholm Syndrome-like thing. And it, well, it's not necessarily the same. And I'm no psychiatrist, so if my terms are, are completely off, then I apologize. But you know, she's infiltrating this group. It's not like she's a captive, per se. But it's interesting to see the way that she begins to empathize with these people and how even we as audience members can understand where they're coming from to a degree, even though we're you know, not on board with their method of expression. Um but yeah, I think I, I also quite like Brit Marling, and I think Aaron and I are both uh, definitely in the the Marling fan club uh, at this point. Um, it was really great to see Julia Armand in anything, and to see her pop up that was that was really exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where I I thought it was all right. I'm not over the moon about it. I think it's a it's a decent film. I'm more excited at the idea that you have a young female co-writer try, choosing to make kind of a low-budget thriller than I am at the actual film itself. I, I hope that more people, more young talents, you know, try to make this kind of movie. Just because the independent movie about, you know, the deadbeat kid who's got nowhere to go and his life sucks and whatnot, that's been done so many times. And to see someone try to take it a little bit of a more of a thriller direction, I think is, you know, is something that we need. Yeah, similar to um, what I was mentioning with Jeff Nichols with Mud, like it, the East. Um, I can see what director's Alba Manglish. Like he, I, I will say that name as long as I want to because I love saying that name, Alba Manglish. You but, just love saying any name that's hard for other people to say. 
Yeah, but Zombie Vanquish has Batman in the title, so I mean, that's, <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> that's just that's just a, that's a twofer. Um, but yeah, the it's not that far off in terms of style from the sound of my voice. It's obviously made a much larger budget than that film, but I I like seeing these directors kind of evolve despite having same stylistic sensibilities and similar not necessarily similar setting because Sound of My Voice is in um LA area and this movie's taking place in the on the East Coast. But you can see how they're connected from a directorial standpoint, but they're also different genres. And I like I like seeing directors that explore different territory and, you know, don't stay in one specific I mean, I don't dislike directors that stay in kind of doing the same kind of thing over and over again, but I like seeing directors that kind of explore what they can do with genre despite having similar sensibilities seen throughout their films. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, I'm, we're pretty much in agreement. It's, it's solid. It's nothing to run out and go see, but it's certainly, you know, a decent, a, a decent thriller. And it's got some interesting ideas too. And, and I, again, it's also kind of a very timely thing where even if, and there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, vegans and freegans and save the planet and this and this and this and that. And I think it, it sort of does a good job of making you look again at something that maybe you thought you already had a defined opinion on to kind of look around and say, well, you know, how could my life be a little different? How could I live a little bit more sustainably, per se? And I think any time that a, a, a fictional construct can do that, you know, and make you think about the way you live your life, I think that's a good thing. Cool. So that's the uh, that's the East. I think Adam and I are we're we're warm-minded overall. We're not loving it, but we are we are liking it. We're not hot. We're we're warm. Yeah, it's it's just right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh. Well, I got. I think I have one last film to talk about, kind of in full, and then I think we can move on to kind of more upcoming films that we're all looking forward to seeing. Address those, but um, um, I saw The Kings of Summer uh, the other day. Uh, this is a Another coming-of-age story about three boys who essentially run away from home and build a house in the woods and kind of live there for some amount of time. And uh, it's uh, the thing that most notable about this film to me is it's very stylish, which is something I didn't expect. It's a uh, it has a kind of sta- a standard sort of story in terms of it has that kind of stand-by-me quality of kids out in their own doing their own thing for a while, but the direction of this film is it's it's a very stylish film it's very it's a film that uh, almost call it easily calls attention to itself in terms of the direction it wants you to know that it's a, a very directed movie which is something i don't see very often in these coming of age stories they tend to just be kind of just put it on the table and just let you watch and relate to these kids in some way but um this one has a lot of a lot of slow mo a lot of interesting camera angles and things like it it it, it does a lot to make you to make you know that the film has its own unique visual style to it. As a film itself, um, it's it, it fits the same kind of realm as other coming of age stories. It's funny, it's dramatic, it has some solid acting. I wouldn't say it's one of it's. I, I've seen a number of coming of age films this year. I like Mud, I, for example. I already said is very good, and uh, The Way Way Back, um, which I would say is also very enjoyable. Um, this one I would say is kind of the of those three, it would be the one that I put at the bottom of that list, but it's certainly not a bad film. It's just one that uh, didn't provide me a whole lot to chew on compared to others. I, I think the, the cast is likable enough. I think the adult actor is uh, Nick Offerman, being from Parks and Rec fame. Uh, he 
he's he's shining the best just because I I like Nick Offerman in general and I like seeing kind of a different aspect of his rugged man type character that he plays the Parker and Recreation so well. Uh, Megan Mullally, Nick Offerman's wife, who plays another one of the parents in this film, she's also she's a lot of fun here. A lot of the the adult actors, which includes a lot of comedic talents, by the way, like uh, most of the adult actors in this film are all known for more comedic roles. They're all they all have kind of a quirky nature to them. Which I think is the most appropriate word to say here. I don't you tend to like using the word quirky, but here it is. Um, and it, I mean, it's a it's a likable film. I can see why it's getting kind of the praise it has and coming out of Sundance and things like that. Like it, it works for what it's trying to do. I I, I just wouldn't say it's anything too special, but certainly one to see. I'd, I'd certainly recommend that film. Do they rule over a, a Moonrise Kingdom? <laughs> uh, Moonrise Kingdom definitely a better film than Kings of Summer. Uh, but no, I, I I liked it. I mean, it has a it, it's a it's a solid film. It's not too long either. It's only like ninety minutes or so. It's a it's a it's an easy watch, and yeah, it's enjoyable for what it is. But yeah, that's the uh, the Kings of Summer. Let's um let's move on. There's still a lot of other movies coming out, kind of this this year, this summer, in terms of uh, there's always a lot of movies coming out. The, the year overall, I guess we can kind of focus on more of films that are coming out in the. In the summer period, within the next few months, that are can you know most likely ride within the art house uh, spectrum. And uh, Mark, do you have any uh, films of that nature? Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still looking forward to, of course, before midnight, since I live in Northeast Ohio, and we get everything like a month after you guys. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe the Bling Ring is this summer, right? So yeah, that's, uh, that's that. be like next week. Yeah. yeah, and Only God Forgives, I guess, would be an independent film, right? Yeah, sure. that's, that's the yeah. new um, Nicholas Winding Refn film starring Ryan Gosling, reteaming with Ryan Gosling after Drive. Yeah, that's a good the... title, After Drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple others, but I think I think they're later in the year as far as independent. Adam, uh, mostly for me uh, right now, it's it's Bling Ring. I'm not totally sure. I mean, I, again, I, I Aaron and I were actually talking the other day and. I realized I'd never actually seen the theatrical trailer, just seen the teaser trailer, which I found a bit enigmatic, mostly because I thought that I was watching the theatrical trailer and thought, you know, Sophia was kind of, you know, I didn't know what she was doing. Um, I really like Sophia Coppola, um, so I'll be curious to see kind of where that goes. I've heard some interesting things out of uh, out of Cannes. You know, some folks really dug it, other folks not so much. Although Cannes backlash isn't really something that you need to put as much stock in as you might think. So, I mean, that's that's the one mostly for me that I'm looking forward to. I'm sure there are others I may not be thinking of, but that's... Blue, what Blue Jasmine. Oh, Ooh. wait a yeah. minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, you should put a link to the trailer in the show notes. It's uh, Yeah, I'll be doing a lot of that in the show notes. Really, <laughs> really, really strong trailer. I know Travers has seen that oh, one. Looks great. He said it looks fantastic. Yeah. I forgot that there was... That's the... That's the new Woody Allen film, by the way, starring Kate Blanchett, Alec Baldwin, and I'm sure a host of, including and Andrew Dice Clay. Those Sally are, Hawkins. Those, those are the, only, the only three I need to mention. I cut already. Sally Hawkins, Louis <laughs> C.K. Yeah, Louis C.K. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Carnival. Bonnie, yeah, Bobby Carnival. Yeah, I like him a lot actually. Yeah. I've yeah. liked him since The Station Agent back in 2003. It's all about Sally Hawkins, guys. Come on. Sally, I yeah. like Sally Hawkins quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I moved. Um, Good. Nope. After you. I, I was just gonna say I, after that trailer, I I moved Kate Blanchett in, into my top five for uh, for lead actress predictions. She just looks awesome in it, so I'm excited to see it. And it's supposedly you know one of his more serious films, which you know recently he's been 
I, I like that. heavily on the comedic bent, and so it's I'm yeah. glad to see him take something serious again. I like that. I wasn't sure if it was I like I saw pictures of the film and it looks really serious. Then I watched the trailer and it's like it had. I mean, it's it has some a Woody Allen sensibility that I sure boot into very easily. But I like that I'm watching the I'm, I'm looking at images of the film. Is like oh, this looks like a serious movie. Then I watched the trailer. I was like oh, okay, maybe not. But <laughs> well, actually, you know, um, cause like I said, I I read well, Travers was doing this like a summer preview thing. And he said it definitely fell into more of the serious, serious vein, which after stuff like, you know, To Run With Love or Midnight in Paris or Tall Buck Stranger or whatever works, it's been a while. You probably go back to like Cassandra's Dream in 07 when he actually made more of a, a straight, straight drama. drama yeah. I'm not saying this is a straight drama, but at the same time, I think it leans more that way, probably. Gotcha. Uh, let's see, I can bring up some more. I know Adam's been super looking forward to Much Ado About Nothing from Josh Whedon. Uh, just, you can't wait for it, right? That's the... Uh, just, you know, just wow. Just... Yeah, not really. I okay, well, you say that because you're not a big fan of the play, but, um, I'm looking forward to it. I actually might see it tonight, actually, which I'd be very happy if I did. But, um... I'm just not a huge fan of Shakespeare adaptations on screen in general, I think. They mm-hmm. tend to be rather difficult to do and do well. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to The Bling Ring as well, Blue Jasmine... Um, the new Almodovar film comes out soon. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. You just can't hide it. I just, just can't hide it. Um, I like the trailer for that movie. <laughs> like it's, it's, and after after the skin I live in, like this is like such a, yeah, this is such such a, a relief. A giant change of face, <laughs> yeah. Going from the skin I live in, which is Pedro Almodovar's version of a horror movie, versus this film, which looks like, what, flight attendants? Total uh, male, campy comedy. Yeah, a campy comedy involving male flight attendants. <laughs> And I love Skin of Living. I'm not knocking that one bit, but this is this is going to be nice, nice change of base. Was that in top ten that year? Just gonna... Uh yeah. It's certainly an honorable mention for me. I really I saw that movie fairly late, but I really liked. I really enjoyed that film a lot more than I was anticipating. <laughs> well, it's cool too because I mean, it's it's the horror movie that it's it's totally like how he would do a horror film, and yeah. there are bits that are so so horrifying where you don't see anything, but it's just the idea is is terrifying. Uh, yeah, only only God forgives. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Fruitvale Station, a film that I I've purposely not know I, I purposely try not try to learn anything else about besides kind of a very very basic idea. That's the film that came out of Sundance with the most praise, I believe. Fruitvale Station with um, right. uh, Michael B. Jordan, who Abe would know from The Wire, of course. I wish Abe was here. Uh, he was also in Chronicle last year, but yeah, that movie's gotten a ton of praise, and that's going to come out sometime in July, I believe. Um. And let's see, uh, The Spectacular Now is another film that I've heard a lot about coming out of Sundance and whatnot. Um, you know, I've seen, I'm starting to see trailers for Inside Lou and Davis, the new Cullen Brothers film, but I don't, I'm not sure when that actually comes out. That's, That's probably going to be a late year release. Is, yeah, is, is it? Yeah, it's like December, I want to say December 14th or something like that. It's, they, they gave it a, a, an Oscar friendly date. Oh, they're start, they're six. They're, start, they're starting that marketing early. That's for sure. So I'm like, yeah. why am I seeing the trailers so often? Well, it yeah. just you know came out of Cannes and they won the the Grand, uh, the Grand Prix, which is second prize. Wow, there yeah. you up there. Well, Another it sounds one. like a real pile then. I don't know. God, <laughs> only second place. <laughs> um, but it's cool too. I mean, I mean, this is another late year release, but it's one to keep yeah. an eye out because the trailer just came out and it's it's really charming. Is the young and prodigious Spivet? Which is the new film by Jean-Pierre Genet of Amelie and Very Long Engagement oh. uh, fame? Looks it looks absolutely charming and and just just wonderful. What was it called again? The Young and Prodigious Spivet. 
Okay, thanks. It's got uh, Helena Bonham Carter, Judy Davis, and a couple of young uh, child actors. Wow. Okay. Um, and the last film I'll bring up is uh, The Grandmasters. Um, this yeah! Is, this is a film from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, the, or why? The, yeah, what? Sorry? Wong Kar Wai. Wong Kar Wai, there it is. Wong Kar Wai, who did, like, what, 2046 and... In the Mood for Love. In the Mood for Love. Yeah, there it is. And this is the film... Time. This is the film um, that's... Uh, it's basically the origin story of Ip Man, which has already been made a film with uh, Donnie M, but this is, it's a Wong Kar Wai take on, Ip Man, on the Ip Man story, which is... will be probably one of the most beautiful films I'll see this year. <laughs> I will not be surprised. Right. And, I got a, a friend that saw that just the other day. He said it. Uh, he, he, yeah, it's kind of the thing where it's, it's beautiful to look at, but it's all right, from what I'm told. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a problem that Wong Kar Wai has, where he, you know, he photographs his films beautifully, but a lot of times the narrative just doesn't have the drive that it could have to really hit home. Hey, a Wong Kar Wai movie about a martial artist—that's uh, rubbed me the right way already. Uh, but uh, yeah, I. A lot of, I mean, we've talked, we've talked about a lot of movies that are currently in limited release, and I, for the most part, I mean, they're movies that we wanted to talk about, and I think we'd, for the most part, recommend. Um, I, get to it, people. You got no excuse. There's, I mean, right. we, right. it's fun to, of course, talk about the big movies that are coming out over the summer, but you know, it's nice to have an episode like this where we can reflect on a lot of the smaller films that, you know, might not get a lot of attention otherwise. So it's, it's doing, doing our part, I guess, to just, you know, fill in the. Fill in the gaps for people that you know want to see something of a different variety this summer. So there you go. And yeah, there's certainly a lot more films that are coming out during the rest of the years when you know throughout this summer that don't need to be necessarily be huge in order to you know have the attention they need to go to them. So um, yeah, that's basically the the bulk of this conversation. I think um, I'm going to jump back to to Abe and myself in, a, in another <laughs> another part of this podcast episode. But for now. I'll leave it there with uh, with you two guys. Um, wh- Adam, where can people find more of your work? You can find more of my work at my site. Uh, things you know, I know about the movies located at www.everythingyoualwayswantedtoknow.blogspot.com and at twitter.com slash ilTwinAnarchist. And uh, Mark? I'm, uh, I'm a staff writer for the award circuit. It's awardcircuit.com, and my Twitter handle is at MJAwardCircuit. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys very much for coming yeah. on and discussing these movies with me. Well, thanks, oh, thanks, yeah, thanks for, for having us. Having us. And, and guys, just you know, support your local art house theater, man. That's right. Great, cool. So now I'm going to throw it back to Abe and myself. Thanks, Aaron. Wow, that was some great discussion we just had. So we actually posted a couple questions on Facebook, and we got some pretty good responses here. First question is, um, what's the surest bet of the summer? Meaning, which summer film do did you? Not question will be or was as pleasing as expected. You got some pretty good responses here, Aaron. I'm sure you've got some as well. Um, Kyle wrote Man of Steel, so you know he's not questioning that's going to be a pretty good film. Jordan wrote The Conjuring, Micro Pacific Rim. Leah wrote Piranha 3D. Adam Gentry wrote (laughs) Man of Steel, and Joe Jans wrote Iron Man 3. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, Kyle and Adam. I think they're just they're just betting on, on Man of Steel just being great. Yeah, they, 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 they there's just no they can't can't miss it. That's what they're saying. Um, in terms of surest bet of the summer, I would I, like the movie that I I have no doubt will be like entertaining to me. 
Well, I think it, it was uh, Furious Six. I mean, there's, oh yeah, I know no, down in my mind that I'm like, I'm not gonna not like this movie. I didn't think that was. I didn't uh, think I'm, was I'm pretty sure that you came in with no qualms at all about saying, you know, this is actually gonna deliver. Yeah, and um, I mean, Monsters University. I don't think that movie is a movie that's gonna like fail in any way. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's gonna be another Pixar classic, but I, I wouldn't say that it's. That it's a movie that I, I don't expect to not enjoy. So That's true, yeah. And certainly looks colorful. I was actually passing by a bookstore where they had like the art of Monsters University. And I was like, wait a minute. I shouldn't look at this because I don't want to spoil the movie. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to wait until after I see the movie to like, look at the art of Monsters Inc. I was just watching uh, Monsters Inc. the other day, too. And, um, yeah, just to you know be like, hey, now I'm ready. Um, but, and it's like, that movie, that, in terms of the animation, that movie holds up well, but you can tell, like, in scenes where, like, there's just kind of very few things happening in the background, it's like, now there'd just, just be monsters everywhere if they made that movie today, they're just like, everything we going on in the bed, there'd just be monsters walking around like nobody's business in that movie nowadays, <laughs> that's what I'm expecting to see in, in Monsters University, just, just monsters just everywhere. Just monsters everywhere? Yeah. yeah. I don't well, know it is university. Is. Exactly. Yeah. They're all rushing a, a, a frat. I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait to see the college shenanigans that these monsters get into. So much hazing. So many, so many monster panty raids waiting to happen. <laughs> and nude undie runs in the library. Speaking of nude undie runs, let's move on to our next question. Um, <laughs> smaller movies this summer that you're looking forward to, or at least huh. ones that you don't, that don't seem huge. Um, Izzy put uh, Only God Forgives and The uh-huh. Hunt. Um, I've seen The Hunt. I oh. mentioned this before at the, the Newport Beach Film Festival. Fan- great movie. Very good movie. Cool. That's with Mad, Mads Mikkelsen. And, uh, yeah, Only God Forgives we talked about just previously. Yeah, we talked about the trailer. Yeah. Uh, Jim Dietz uh, put Elysium, Europa Report, and The Iceman. Uh, Elysium, yeah, I, I like I like his take on that because, yeah, when it's, it's not a movie that necessarily seems huge just because the buzz isn't, like, for, like, general moviegoers. I wouldn't say it, yeah, it feels more like a, a smaller cult following, and it's like, you know, um, not a whole lot of people... I, there was like huge mar- mass marketing for District Nine, but still, it, it didn't really. Think things gotta heat up. I mean, it, that, it comes out in August, so it's got some time. Yeah. And did you watch the Iceman? Yeah, I've seen the Iceman. We, friend I, of the show, is friend of the show Michael Shannon yet, or not yet? He's he's, he's just the great Michael Shannon. Oh, okay, good. Gotcha. But yeah, no, I, I was talking about that in the previous segment, and it's uh, it's not a movie I liked overall, but I, I did mm-hmm. I do think Michael Shannon is just very good in, in things anyway. So. When is he not good? Exactly. Great, yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Other question I had: What are people planning to see this weekend? Um, Izzy put The East, which we talked about, and yeah. I think it's a good movie. Um, and VHS Two, which I have downloaded, I have not watched yet, but I'm really excited to catch it. I've heard nothing but great things about VHS Two on, on VOD, right? On VOD, yes. I downloaded it on my PlayStation, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out. And my my favorite thing about it so far is that it's only 96 minutes, mainly uh, <laughs> because the first one dragged <laughs> after a while. But this one, I like the directors involved. I like that there's less segments and again everything i'm hearing i'm looking forward to it yeah i heard that there's a it's much tighter than the than the first one in terms yeah. of like the wraparound story and i think there's only actually only like four only four, like four segments this time yeah rather than like five um so yeah it's gonna be interesting and one segment's directed by uh, gareth evans who did the raid redemption so there you, there you Boom, go there you go um uh, let's see Gary, he has. Um, I'm hoping to see Francis Ha this weekend, so I hope he checks that out and enjoys it because I liked it. Mark Johnson didn't, but I liked it. <laughs> and um, last one, Tyler, he put. Uh, I saw the internship and the purge. Internship wasn't very funny, but was a decent feel-good movie. The purge had so much potential with its story idea, but was too predictable and totally confusing. I pretty much agree with everything you just said there. 
which about are, both films. About both films, yeah. Which leads me to the next thing I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring up right now. At no quickies. Tim. Every week on Out Now, Farron and Abe, we like to talk about a, a number, a number of move, a, a main movie. This week we talked about a number of movie, different movies, but we didn't have any time for any of the other movies we saw. So that's why we have a segment called Out Now Quickies. Tim. And I am going to bring up the internship and the purge. Uh, we didn't. We obviously didn't do full reviews on these movies just because we didn't right. find them to be ones that deserved a whole movie show compared to you know what we did today. But um, internship, yeah, it's a movie that's it's not terrible by any means. It's funny in in places. I think Vince Vaughn and and Owen Wilson have a obviously good chemistry, and I think it it shows here. I like that they they play characters that are you know going for an internship at Google. And the best thing I could say about their relationship in this movie is that they they're like they're like endlessly positive about everything, which is it's endearing to watch those characters. That's a good thing. I wish the movie was shorter and funnier, but I mean, if you're gonna, if, I'd give it a solid Netflix rating. Does it come in at like two hours? Yeah, it does, and it's like, why? There's <laughs> <laughs> a question: Is it a bunch of like uh, old people kind of un- or confused about what the the future like keyboard Google stuff is all about, like computers and stuff? No. Or is it you know they they kind of play it like straight smart? I mean, they play it straight smart. I mean, it's it's only Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn who are not familiar with technology. <laughs> technology everyone else is a 20 year old intern at google like it's yeah. it's purely them but even that stuff like it it doesn't ride entirely on the fact that well this is how computers work versus right. i'm just gonna talk my way out of it like it's it, it's a lot of that but i mean it's it's it's, it's fine it's a, it's okay cool. purge on the other hand that's not that's just not good that's not a good movie i saw your tweet about it yeah, yeah it made a it made a we'll get to box office in a segment in a second but it, it made some money so expect purge 2 still purging in uh, two years time um, but yeah, it's uh, like <laughs> it, it just it, it's beguiling how you have like a concept so juicy and you just still make like the just ridiculous mistakes of having characters do things that are just frustratingly stupid. Yeah, it, it, it's irritating. <laughs> I didn't watch the movie, but I just watched the trailer and I just wanted to strangle that little boy. I did too. I didn't even watch the trailers. I didn't know what was coming, but I'm watching. It's like, oh my god, this. Yeah. <laughs> if you just watched the trailer, I was like, nope. Nope, this is this is the the worst concept ever. <laughs> it's like nope, this kid, I would disown him right then and there. Like, there's the opportunity to do so much with the idea too, and it just it's just kind of wasted on being like. Yeah, and I, I, I heard that too, where it was uh, there could have been a lot more potential, but it kind of goes with like a, a somewhat of a generic uh, uh, genre or horror genre of like you know entering the house and. The it does. It's basically the premise, things. the the juicy premise of I have having crime be legal for 12 hours just leads to an excuse for cops not being able to come that's that's essentially what it is <laughs> that's like the that's like the only reason like we need to make a home invasion movie but why can't the cops come and why is the power out because crime's legal that they're done we've we've done that it's like it's like rob Lowe and thank you for smoking thank god we invented the uh you know oxygen device whatever like it's <laughs> that that's that's the logic that was applied um yeah. It's a good movie. If it's also very movie. tame for a movie about like crime being legal and like an R-rated horror thriller. It's a very tame okay. movie. Yeah, it's not. It's not really one that you'd be like, man, good thing that was R-rated. You don't really think that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some weird things about people who are saying, oh, it's you know, it's graphic and gory, but it's kind of Ar- like a length story. Oh, I, hardly. I, hardly. I mean, there's blood in it, but I, I, I've been around the block a few times this year, let alone you know, in <laughs> life when it comes to horror movies, and I'd hardly say this is like a huge R-rated movie. 
Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's way too much time on the purge. <laughs> so, that's, that's what I've been spending. Abe, have you seen anything this week that you want to talk about? Uh, I didn't see anything new. I rewatched, uh, I rewatched, uh, uh, what's the film? Uh, True Grit on Netflix streaming. All right. I was like, oh, yeah, I was, I was just rewatch this. And I also watched uh, Place Beyond the Pines, which uh, you and I talked about offline yeah. um, last week. Um, it's a good movie. It's a solid movie. It's just the third act. Uh, one of the characters there just really annoys the heck out of me. It's just, I just, that because of his character alone, I was like, this is, no, this, I, I hate this third act. You're not Le Beef. That's my true grit. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I, I like how they don't use contractions in true grit. Everything is, everything is set out, like, I cannot do that for you. It's like, oh, I like that. What a what a great example you put. <laughs> saying that you said. <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's get just to saying. Bo- let's, that was that no quickies. Tim. Let's get to bo- no quickies. Tim. Let's get to uh, box office. Yeah, no quickies. Tim. Oh man, office. quick for three, baby. Okay, that's fine. You did a good. Yeah, no quickies. Tim. Oh. Each week at Out Now, we try to go over the box office results, and uh, generally we have predictions, but we didn't really predict anything this week. So let's just outright say what happened. The Purge made $36 million this weekend. It was made for for $3 million. So (laughs) good job, you guys. You marketed marketed successfully. That's what I'm getting. And that's why there will be Purge 2 still purging with, uh, you know, uh, benzoyl peroxide now. Good one. Uh, yeah. The internship opened also in fourth place at $18 million. Fourth place? Oof. Yeah, it's a close race, though, because Fast Six, Fast and Furious 6 is 19 in second place. Now You See Me was third place of 19.5. Fast Six, 19.7, 19.5. Those could change, I guess, because of actual results that aren't up yet. Internships at fourth of 18. So, I mean, it's all... They're all right there, but clearly everyone wanted to see Ethan Hawke versus Home Invaders. That's that was the yeah, absolutely. Was well, thing. I mean, I, I kind of think about you know fourth place. What was the number for internship? Uh, eighteen. Eighteen, yeah, fourth place, eighteen. It's really not going to do much more than that because Superman comes out next week. It's going to be done. Oh, well, everything's going to be done next week. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, much Ado About Nothing debuted this week into like five theaters and made a. Maybe. Pretty good uh, chunk of change. It, uh, nice chunk of change for what it had, but I forgot to mention. I just saw. I just got back from seeing much ado about nothing. Did you like it? Um, I did like it. Great. I, yeah, I I've heard good things about it. It's. Um. I like what Joss Whedon did with it. I. Feel, I mean, the play itself is kind of slight overall in terms of like William Shakespeare plays. It's not one that I'm like, man, this is this is Shakespeare at his prime, bro. That's what I say about Shakespeare plays. <laughs> that's, that's what they were saying in Shakespeare. That, that's, what, that's what I say when I see a good one. I come out of like, yeah. oh, man, bro. That was a that, great, That's that a, a quote great. that Sir Francis Bacon had back in like the day. <laughs> oh, bro. That was good. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so, I mean, you're going to the story, you know what to expect, but if you, if you know that Shakespeare story, but I mean, it, for what it is, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I, I like Joss Whedon's, his his handling of the of the direction of this film, putting it in modern times, what have you, doing the score himself and everything like it's a, it's it's a nice little it's a nice little backyard experiment that he made. Very cool. That, ha- that happens to be a major backyard motion experiment. Choice. I like I like the way you phrase that. Yeah. It's a backyard experiment, you know, because he's rich. Uh, well, it is. But um, <laughs> and he's a good uh, writer director. Let's uh, get to what we're going to talk about next week. Um, I there's a movie coming out. I think I think you've heard of it. It's it's called uh, Man of Steel. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about House of the Dead Part Two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, Man of Steel comes out next week. The big Superman movie. I think we're all 
quite excited about this one. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so excited that I actually wrote down my prediction already, something I never do for box office. Yeah, that, that is very strange. I always let everyone else go in front of me so I can gauge my guess. So you can, yeah, so you can steal one of ours. You can outfox us with one of our own answers. That's why they call me the Fantastic Aaron. You thought Mr. I was going to say something else? Said, yeah. No, but, but no, I completely... I was like, I the fantastic Mr. Aaron Fox. I completely did not do that just because I knew you expected it. Uh, you I'm, pointing, I'm pointing at you, listeners. Abe's, who, <laughs> Abe's not smart enough to know that. Um, Clever. But yeah, I, um, I'm i going 87. I'm going 87 million next weekend. 87. That's okay. where I'm at. I almost, doubled, I almost tripled down by doing 83 again, as I did before. <laughs> tripled down, yeah. But, Is this coming out on a standard uh, Thursday Thursday release? It's a it's, Wednesday it's, Wednesday night release. It's a Friday release. Is it? It's coming out on a Friday. Isn't yeah. there like a weekend or isn't there like a Thursday night showing? There's like a there's a midnight showing and like an still early screenings based on the Walmart tickets that way. Okay. Oh, okay. I got still you. A, it's still a Friday so to still Friday. Still a Friday to Sunday release period. Yikes! I am gonna go with. Uh, hmm. Let me give you some numbers. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, I can give you some numbers. <laughs> Those numbers pop up, man. <laughs> man. I'm gonna let's just I'm gonna... Let's, let's just riff here for a second. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yo, yo, man um, is still, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Superman Returns opened to something, all right. It opened. It opened to a really hmm. not pull it up. <laughs> really, wow. Uh, it opened. To, it opened to 52 yeah. million uh, back in 2005 or six. But, um, I mean, that's without 3D. Or I guess it was technically 3D. There's no, there's there was no 3D IMAX. upcharge, and it was in significantly less theaters. Uh, yeah, yeah, this one is in IMAX, and it is in 3D. Uh, yeah. Other DC series, though, I mean, you can... Obviously, the, the Dark Knight series. I mean, Batman Begins, open to 48. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, 160, 158 million. That's a little high. Lan- Green Lantern, 53 million. Watchmen, 55 million. I mean... Everyone's favorite Sucker Punch? Suck, sucker Punch is a little... Well, that's not a comic. That's not DC at all, so... It's just it's bad uh, I'm gonna... You said 86 million? 87 million. 87. I'm gonna... I'm gonna go a little bit under you. I'll say, uh... I'll say 83 million. 83 million. Hey, Dropping bombs, Abe Mua. <laughs> Taking Aaron's thunder. Way to give yourself a five million... Uh, four million dollar range of success. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Watch us both Iran's gonna be like 120 million. I'd still win though. Um, yeah, because you're under 120. No, watch it be 82 million. That, that uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna talk about Man of Steel next week. I'm, I know Scott's coming on. Everyone loves Scott Mendelson, I'm, I'm sure. Or, or they, or they don't, but they show up anyway. So regardless, like, he's gonna join us. We'll probably have a, a myriad of different guests. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what we're gonna do for Man of Steel. Last year we did a episode for Dark Knight Rises, and then we did a whole spoiler episode. Yeah, so. and then we talked so much that we were like, you know what, we have to do a spoiler section. So we did a spoiler section. Yeah, so we ended up having four hours of material on the Dark Knight. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know how interesting Superman is going to be compared to Dark Knight Rises, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we want to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, basically going to bring us to the end of this week's podcast. So, uh, you know, here we go. That's going to do it this week, Brad now, Baron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazit.com. You can find my home by written movie reviews as well as at wiseofblue.com for all my blue reviews. Also tune in to wiseofblue.com this week for a Q&A I recorded with Sofia Coppola. That should be Ooh. fun to check out. And uh, you, of course, can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to send thanks again to Mark Johnson and Adam Gentry for joining us. Thanks, guys. 
And uh, you can, of course, find most of the newest of the episodes out now there on iTunes. I'm still in the process of uploading those, but I have some more time this week, so I'll be able to hopefully get those earlier shows in so you can see how terrible we used to sound. HHWLOD.com, you can find all the episodes there, along with the other shows, including the shows from the Walking Dead TV podcast, the Long Box of Doom, other fun shows about comics and games and cool stuff like that. Um, outnow.podomatic.com, most of the newest episodes, some exclusives are located there. Uh, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to write in. Send us your thoughts on the various art house and indie movies that have arrived in theaters lately, as well as your thoughts on what you're expecting from movies coming out soon or what you're looking forward to still. You can do the same thing on the Facebook and Twitter page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and twitter.com slash underscore podcast, as well as our new Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.com. Dot .tumblr.com, <laughs> the YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Unknown Podcast, where you can check out the main reviews and special select uh, interviews that Aaron has coming up, about 20, 30 minutes each. Yeah, there you go. Um, last thing, and not to take it down, but I, I did hear some sad news involving um, Jim Dietz, he, uh, our friend of the show. who's a Friend of the show, the voice. On, yeah, the voice, of course, who's been on many of our commentaries, as well as host the Nothing Is On podcast and Legion of Nees On, Weeks and Dudes, the Walking Dead TV podcast. Um, he lost a loved one this week, and so I just wanted to send best he wishes did. on his way, and it was yeah. very sad to hear that. Yeah, uh, sorry. Right. We're, we're sorry to hear that, Jim. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week we're talking Man of Steel, so that should be exciting. But until next time, so long. And goodbye. Let me sing you a waltz Out of nowhere, out of my thoughts Let me sing you a waltz About this one night stand But now you're gone You are far gone All the way to your island of rain It was for you just a one-night thing But you were much more to me Just so you know I hear rumors about you about all the bad things you do But when we were together alone You didn't seem like a player at all I don't care what they say I know what you meant for me that day I just want to right You meant for me much more than anyone I've met before One single night with you little Jesse is worth a thousand with anybody 
Lovely one night stand. 